0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. You have the power to change the world and it fits in your pocket. In fact somehow should probably have been turned off before we started but there we are Um, but it fits in your pocket and that's what the world will do well they need a shepherd not not so much the sheep at the back but the uh, the Iraqi refugees towards the front they're the ones who need a shepherd that in a world of chaos and hurly burly and things going incredibly well for some people they need a shepherd and who's going to be the shepherd do you think hopefully not him that's going to keep you awake hopefully not them But somebody somewhere needs to be a shepherd for the people in that picture. Because things are not all that they seem for everybody. They need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. Because as life becomes busier and busier, and more and more opportunities, so it seems, are made available to us, actually, the things that we see around us are not quite what we want them to be. Let me bring you into your Bibles, please. I want to bring you to Isaiah, prophecy of Isaiah. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to sneak up on our reading that we took together from John chapter 10. We're not going to get there until right towards the end. Because only in looking at what the Lord God has said before the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ can we begin to understand what he means when he said, I am the good shepherd. So what is a shepherd? Well, that's a fairly obvious question. But what does the Bible say a shepherd does? Bringing you to Isaiah chapter 40, we're we'll looking to Verse 11. Um, and we could have looked into lots of places but this is just just one way or four ways in one verse rather that the Bible tells us what a shepherd actually does Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 it's talking about the Lord God you'll see from verse 10 who will come with strong hands and his arm will rule and his reward is with him and his work is before him he shall feed his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those who are with young well let's Um, just get those phrases on the screen your screen is flickering mine's mine's fine but uh, yours is flickering a bit so (laughs) there we are that's what a shepherd does feeds gathers lambs together carries them um, and he gently leads them and just for the sake of time I won't bounce you around lots of other passages that define the work of a shepherd not least because well we kind of know this stuff anyway but what else does the Bible say shepherds do well they divide sheep from goats right? so in other words they know who's in their flock and who's not they can defend from wild animals. They can keep watch at night. Um, they can help their sheep to find pasture. These are the kind of things that shepherds do. And you know that stuff. I mean, that's fairly self-explanatory. Um, but I just put that up there just to capture at the beginning some of the things that we, we probably already know about what shepherds actually do. Um, and, and I guess the point from that verse there in Isaiah chapter 40 is that what we're being told is God is like a shepherd to the people who will hear his name. And what he wants us to do is to learn to, to care and to, to serve and to shepherd the people that we see around us. So that in, in recognising his ability to do all of those things for us, we also, when we see other people in need, recognise that that's what we do for them. And actually it's one of the most fitting of images you could imagine because the Bible was, a, was, a, 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 was, a, was set in a pastoral age. So many people in your Bibles were shepherds that they understood these kind of things they recognised the language that we're going to think about the culture of the land of of, of Bible times if I can use that somewhat odd expression uh, was pastoral and what the Bible does is it harnesses this image to teach us an eternal purpose and an eternal message about ourselves and about how we live and about how we behave and ultimately about what God has has marked out for the people who will hear his voice uh, and, and come to him and bow the knee before him so that's what shepherds do. What do sheep do? Well, turn over maybe a dozen chapters, or 13 chapters actually. Come over to Isaiah chapter 53. And there's just a little set of phrases here about what sheep are like. Um, and having looked at what shepherds do, we just want to capture um, capture this as well and just see what sheep are like as well. Um, come to Isaiah 53 verse 6 and uh, many of you are going to know these verses because they're quite familiar in another context really all we like sheep have gone astray so that's what sheep are like whereas a shepherd is all about gathering things together sheep are completely the opposite and they like to charge off in all sorts of different directions so all we like sheep have gone astray we've turned everyone to our own way it is interesting, isn't it? Because what it seems to say is, well, some sheep, what sheep first of all do, is they all en masse charge off in the opposite direction to where the shepherd wants them to go, and then individually they all scatter a bit further so you can't capture them. Uh, my one year old has a book about sheep running in all sorts of different directions and it causes him chaos because he likes things to be organised um, and he likes everything to be to be in place and he can't cope with the fact that sheep are running off in different directions and um, he's not quite sure how they're all going to come back together again so we've, the sheep go astray and they're very individual because they turn to their own ways and there's other things here so I'll start to put this up on the screen so you can see it sheep, well, unless they're there for wool and, end up on your and upon your Sunday plate, so they get brought to the slaughter, they get sacrificed they 're silent before their shearers. Verse seven says they 're oppressed and they 're afflicted now that 's language which is used of 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 um, somebody else here in isaiah fifty three but it also gives us a little picture, I think, as to what sheep and what shepherds are like now nothing surprising there right there 's nothing complicated there we, we, we recognize this. this is language that we 're probably aware of, and if we know our bibles um, we 're also aware of this. but the point is is the, the, the claim that the Lord Jesus Christ made to be a shepherd, to be a good shepherd is built on this language so when he began to call people to him when he went out and he spoke to people and he looked people in the eye who were in awful situations and invited them to come to him and find rest and comfort with him Well what he was doing was saying, I'm the shepherd that is just like this. And I recognise that you want to go off and do your own thing. I recognise that even if I ask you to do A, you'll just clear off and do B. I recognise all of these characteristics that you have. And yet because I am a shepherd, it's my job, it's my role, it's my duty to bring you together. And to keep you safe. And to care for you. And if you're one of those people who feels somehow as if life is too noisy and too messy and too chaotic and that there is just too much going on and you can no longer keep hold of everything in your hand because things it's just like trying to hold sand in your hand and things just run out between your fingers. Even when you think you've got hold of something, then everything just trickles out. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ says, this is this is what life is like. And the only place where you will find peace and rest and safety is through me. So we're going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. But as I say, we're going to sneak up on that chapter in John 10. Um, almost almost by stealth because what I want to do is to show you some Old Testament examples first of how shepherds behave because what it does is it sets the scene for us so we can understand more about the Lord Jesus Christ and again those of you that know your Bibles think about the book of Genesis think about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who, who came from a pastoral setting who were themselves shepherds who understood this kind of language and recognised that that, that God's promises were built upon his care of his flock that, that no matter where they, where they wanted to go to or how they would run away God would always be there for his people now how do we meet Moses move, move on in your mind in your Bibles you've gone through the book of Genesis come on to the book of Exodus um, how do we meet Moses well we meet him as a baby don't we when he's in his basket uh, that, 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 and, and Pharaoh's daughter rescues him Oh, God rescues him Pharaoh's daughter is part of it and, and he comes to live in, in Pharaoh's house when he's 40 years old Disappears And he's sent off, isn't he? Almost sent into exile. um, Because of something that he does. And what does he do for 40 whole years? That's an open question, just to see whether you're still awake. What does he do for 40 years? Nobody's awake. This is not helpful. This is a 20 minute talk for you to be awake. Rather than a 45 minute one for you to fall asleep. What's he doing? For 40 years he's a shepherd. That's it. There's no trick question. So so this is a man who, who comes to shepherd his people who comes to lead the people of Israel whether you accept the Bible as true or whether you just think it's a record of old fables the Bible in its own way describes that for 40 years Moses was a shepherd of a nation but in order to prepare for that and in order to understand how to do that for 40 years before that he was a shepherd of sheep because understanding how people worked first of all meant that he had to understand how sheep worked because you and I are just like that so for 40 years he was a shepherd Move on a bit more in your Bible and in your mind. When we meet David, David has seven older brothers. And yet, David can't be found. Where's David? Another open question. He's a shepherd. And he's looking after the sheep. In fact, let me bring you to that passage. Can I take you to First Samuel chapter 16? Because we're just going to draw a few lines together here. Because first Samuel chapter sixteen is the first time we ever meet this this man who is described as a as a man after God's own heart, and and amazingly, we meet him as a shepherd. Well not amazingly, as as we're going to find out, but but we do meet him as a shepherd. So one Samuel chapter sixteen and come down to verse eleven Samuel says to Jesse, Are here all your children? And he says, Well, there is still the youngest, and behold, he's keeping the sheep. And actually that phrase is really significant in David's life. Because he is a man who even when he later on becomes king, continues to keep his sheep in another sense. So we just learn a little bit about, about these, these people who became great leaders. Moses was a great leader for 40 years and yet for 40 years before that he was a shepherd. David was a king for 40 years. And yet for years and years before that he was a shepherd. The point being that he understood this and he understood people as a result of it. The amount of literature that is written these days on leadership studies would blow your mind. Not 2.5 quintillion books, but certainly an awful lot of stuff that is written about leadership studies. How to be a charismatic leader. How to be an inspirational leader. How to be an organised leader. All these terms are used. And yet all they really had to do was look at these passages. Because this is how a leader acts. A leader recognises the things that sheep do and recognises the things that shepherds do. And in fact, you know, David will fight his greatest battle. As not as king, but before he comes to the throne. And it's actually over in chapter seventeen, so just turn over one page if if indeed you have to do that. And and see what he does before he goes out to fight Goliath. This is David's great battle, right? Again, even if you even if you don't know much about your Bible, you know about David and Goliath. Because you know that this is the underdog's victory against the great giant. And and just have a look in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 20. Because before David goes out to kill the giant, what is his priority number one? He gets up early in the morning and he leaves his sheep with a keeper. That's the first thing that David does. Before he goes out to fight his battle, he makes sure that his sheep are safe. Now if, if, if if this is your leader, if this is your one who is training to be your king, what would you want from him? What kind of behaviour would you want him to show? Would you want him to be this great military victor? Well yes you would I suppose. But would you also want him to understand about the details? To understand about the people who were in his care? To understand about all these sheep and all their different characteristics that they have? And to make sure that before you go off to fight your great battle your priority number one is to make sure that your sheep are safe first. Because that's what David does. And those of you that like connecting up Bible passages in your mind. Might just like to think about the Lord Jesus Christ there. In, in John chapter 17. Before he goes to his death. And he leaves his disciples. Doesn't he? Keep them in thine own name. He says. Very same principle as David has to make sure the sheep are safe. Before he goes off and fights his battle. Isn't that interesting? That's what, he do, that's what they do. And what they do before they, they take on their great leadership roles. Is, is a fundamental part of who they are. Because they recognise that becoming a shepherd is oh, sorry, becoming a leader is only possible once they've shepherded sheep. We'll just look at that in one other way before we go and look in John. Can I bring you to the book of Psalms, please? Psalm seventy eight. Going to have another look at David, but just just unwrap some of these expressions a little bit better. Slides are over, so um, there's just a nice picture of sheep for you just to have a look at if you want to tune out for a moment. Psalm 78. Which is a mighty long psalm. But if you come down to verse uh, 52, again it's talking about how the Lord God took care of his people. And it's really significant that the language which he uses which is used by the psalmist, is talking about how God looks after them like a shepherd. Verse 52 of Psalm 78, God made his own people to go forth like sheep, and he guided them in the wilderness like a flock, and he led them on safely, so that they feared not, although the sea overwhelmed their enemies. Now, same language, it's interesting, isn't it, because we're seeing the same language over and over again in lots of different places, just to underline the fact that this is a God who is consistent. This isn't a God who changes. This isn't a God who, who says, well actually today I can't be bothered with that. I'll, I'll just let them leave them to see what happens. This is a God who, who throughout all things is doing the same thing to make sure that his people are, are always safe. And what the psalmist says is just begin to weave a narrative around some of those early shepherds and those early experiences of God's people. He made his own people to go forth like sheep and he guided them in the wilderness like a flock and he led them on safely so that they feared not. Because all that the people needed was to be provided by the shepherd. That was the point, wasn't it? That in their circumstances, all that they needed was to be provided by the shepherd. Just as would be the case with a real sheep and a real shepherd. All that they needed was to be provided by their shepherd. And the psalm tells us this. Could he feed them when they were in the wilderness? Well, sorry, could he water them when they were in the wilderness? Yes, he could. Verse 20. Uh, Of Psalm 78. The waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Could he feed them? Yes, he could. End of verse 20. He gave them bread and flesh for his people. Could he feed them again? Yes, he could. Verse 24. He rained down manna upon them. And men, verse 25, ate angels' food. So this was a shepherd who cared for his people enough to keep on giving them what they wanted. Could he shelter them from their enemies? Yes, he could. We just read that in verse. In verse uh, 53, he led them on safely so that they feared not. Could he give them a place of rest, a place to lie down in green pastures? Well, yes, he could. End of verse uh, 55, he made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. So again, this was a God who looked after his people and did all these things. Could he hear their cry? Could he come down to deliver them? Well, no question. Because knowing the character of the shepherds that are being described here, that's exactly how you would expect them to behave. We'll come to the end of Psalm 78 look at verse 70 and you might start thinking well where on earth is the lord jesus christ here we seem to be spending an awful lot of time in the old testament well again this is just to set the set the foundation really and actually this is the bulk of our this is the bulk of our uh, passage hunting because we just want to understand how these shepherds worked first it's verse 70 of psalm 78 he chose david also his servant and took him from the sheepfold so we've seen that already David was a shepherd when he first came to to a prominence uh, and, and God took him from the sheepfold he was looking after the sheep when Samuel came to his father's house from following the ewes great with young God brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance so the first thing that David learned to do was shepherd real sheep and as a consequence of that he then learned the characteristics of people and he came to feed Jacob and Israel God's inheritance. And you might just want to contrast some of the language which is in this psalm. I think it's quite interesting just to see that. Because how God is described back in verse 53 is that he's described as leading his people. Okay, this picture of God being at the front of a great procession and all the people following on behind, which of course is what happened. But if you just look into verse 71, what David's described as doing is following the ewes great with young. In other words, the the God who is described in verse 53 goes out ahead of his people. David, who is described in verse 71, almost seems to be behind them. And you think, well, what's going on there? And surely the point is this, that this is a king who recognises his flock. This is a king who understands that different people have different needs, or different sheep have different needs. And somebody's circumstances are different from somebody else's circumstances. So the shepherd would know that there would be some sheep who would go gambling off ahead like six year olds on sugar highs, and he wouldn't be able to catch them because they'd be over the hills and far away. And then there would be the, the heavily pregnant ewes who certainly wouldn't be able to run that fast and probably would stumble along right at the back of the, of the flock. And so what David does, verse seventy one is that he just drops right to the back of the flock to make sure that nobody is left behind, and so he follows the ewes behind. So he's a shepherd who, in a sense, can get out ahead of his people and take responsibility for them. Because that was what a king was meant to do. To lead by example and to lead from the front. And we recognise language like that. We're okay with that. But he was also a king who, in another sense, would bring up the rear and make sure that nobody was left behind. And nobody was surprised. And nobody was lost. And again, isn't that fabulous? Isn't that the kind of way that you would want this shepherd to behave? You would want a shepherd to, to make sure that nobody was left behind. And nobody needed uh, nobody needed chasing again. David's the shepherd. He knows their names. He knows their characteristics. He knows what they're like. He leads them to pasture. He binds up their wounds. He sits and listens to their voices. And he keeps guard over them. As the sun goes down and sun's rays paint the sky. And he plays his harp and, and perhaps plays that song that we just sang together. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want... Because he recognised what they were like and this is the kind of shepherd that he was. He fed them, verse 72, according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skilfulness of his hands. And doesn't that set the scene perfectly for understanding somebody who is described as a much greater son of David. In thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the perfect description of how he was, how, how, how he behaved. And the kind of shepherd that he was like. Come on to John chapter 10 please. we made it finally to John chapter 10. Because we're going of course to find somebody who was not only descended from King David. But in so many ways eclipsed David as a shepherd. Because of the way in which he behaved. John chapter 10. Truly I say to you verse 1. He that enters not. By the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way. The same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So this shepherd is honest. This shepherd is of good integrity. This shepherd is of good report, because he doesn't do things sneakily. He doesn't come in the back door. Um, he doesn't try to sneak in when nobody's looking. He comes right down the middle of the doorway, right in through the centre. Everybody can trust him. There's something, something integral about this shepherd and to him the porter opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out so that little aspect of of Psalm 78 that we just thought about a moment ago that this is a shepherd who in one sense leads from the front and he makes sure that he's the first one into danger to make sure that they themselves are safe when he puts forth his own sheep he goes before them and the sheep follow him or they know his voice so he's just like those Old Testament kings again he knows where their pasture is uh, and they're going to follow him and they know his voice and I think the sense is that they the sheep know the shepherd's voice individually this is not just a great mass of sheep who you could say well by and large these sheep know what their shepherd is like the sense from this is that all of the shepherd oh, sorry all of the sheep know the shepherd individually and the shepherd in turn knows all of the sheep individually And because of that there's a sense of care and devotion for every single one of these. Because he doesn't want any of them to be lost. That's the sense again that comes out of, of Psalm 78. That's the sense that comes from David leaving his sheep with a keeper. Before he goes off to fight Goliath. To make sure that nobody is lost. And everybody is safe. And everybody is cared for. And nobody is somehow left behind. Because they can't run as fast. Or they can't keep up in the same way. Or because they have a slightly different view and a different perspective than everybody else. And I'm deliberately using some of this language because I hope you can, you can capture some of it for your own circumstances or things that you may all be thinking about. They know his voice. Stranger they won't follow, but they'll flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And it's almost as if that's saying, you know, if you want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then this is about recognising the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and not other people, and not those of others. This is about recognising that there is one source of authority, and, and, and not just you know whatever you can find on the internet. To go back to what we said at the beginning, and so Jesus says, verse seven, "Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them." So there's a sense here in which with with the Lord, he's the shepherd, but he's also the door. Of the sheep, So the sheep come in to safety in the evening to, to sleep and they go out in the morning to go and find pasture. And it's a bit like discipleship, isn't it? That you come in to safety, you come and join a community of people where there is safety and there is a sense of shared identity and whereby you hold certain key things in common. But then also you go out again the next morning and you go out again into the world and you have to subsist, you have to carry on um, the life that you live um, outside that as well. And yet the whole time the shepherd is is caring for his people and recognising their particular needs and their particular issues. I am the door, verse 9. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. This whole chapter, you know, John chapter 10, here's a statement. This whole John chapter 10 comes from John chapter 9, which is a bit of an obvious thing to say. But if we don't say it, I think we'll miss quite a helpful point. Can I just get you to look back at John chapter 9? Um, and many of you will know um, what's going on in John 9 there is a man who has been blind from his birth he's right at the beginning of uh, John 9 verse 1 Uh, and Jesus heals him and as a consequence of Jesus healing this man there is absolute chaos because nobody believes that Jesus is actually allowed to do this um, and so they start discussing whether or not the man who has been healed is actually the same man who was blind um, and nobody seems to be sure so they say in verse 9 well I think it, well, it could be him well it looks a bit like him and finally the man says no it is me I am the one who was healed and I am the one who was blind before and then there's a big debate about you know, "Well, was it right for this to happen and should it have been done on the Sabbath day uh, and, and did he have the right and the authority to do this and so they go and check with his parents Uh, So they say, verse 19, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Uh, And uh, his parents, well, um, if if your parents don't be like these parents, right? Well, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we're not quite sure how he sees, so you figure it out and ask him. Uh, And they throw him to the wolves, as it were, and, um, and let him speak for himself because they're afraid of the Jews. Verse 22, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So they go and ask the man, uh, and uh, he says, "I I don't know how it happened. I simply know this, that this morning I was blind, and now I'm not. And that is a great miracle, and we should be grateful for that. And then they insult him, verse 28. Um, We know that God spoke to Moses, verse 29, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. Uh, And if this man was not from not of God, he could do nothing. So what do they do? Verse 34, um, depends on your, your version that you have. That you're looking at. They cast him out. They excommunicated him. Right. This is the last straw. There are certain different grades of excommunication in the Jewish community, and this is the this is the final red card version. This is the one where you are a pariah in your own community. You can't go shopping. You can't sit and meet with other people. You are basically an outcast. And so this man has been absolutely thrown out. Of I mean, you can can you imagine the day he's had? Where he starts out begging in the gateway. And then he meets Jesus Christ who heals him and makes him see again. And then there's this great uproar about, well, has he been healed? Is it him? Is it not him? What does he look like? And his parents say, well, you know, you figure it out because we don't know what's happened. Uh, And then they talk to him. And then they excommunicate him for nothing more than for saying, well, the man who made me see again can't be all bad. And because he's been excommunicated, verse 34... Look at what happens. And this is the whole essence of the shepherd. And if you take nothing else away from today. Just take this. End of verse 34. They cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And he found him. If you're the kind of person that likes underlining things in your Bible. Can you underline that phrase? And even if you're not. You think about underlining it at some point. Because they threw him out. And when they found out he'd been thrown out. Jesus went and found him. That's the job of the shepherd. That's what the shepherd does. That's the whole reason for this discourse about Jesus being the good shepherd. Because there was a man there who should have been cared for. Who was one of the refugees of society. If I can again use language from where we started. Who, who had nothing. Who was destitute. And, and had been in a position where he couldn't even see. And as a consequence of that they threw him out. And made him a pariah. and and, and the Lord Jesus Christ went and found him because he is the good shepherd and isn't it fabulous isn't it significant that the man who who could not see recognises the voice of this shepherd the very thing that the Lord says in John chapter 10 will happen I am the good shepherd I am the one who cares and who verse 11 gives his life for the sheep whoever comes to me Jesus said I will in no wise cast out well the Pharisees of Jesus' day were the shepherds they were meant to be the ones who took care of everybody they were the ones in authority they were the ones who had the right to spend the money and to welcome people in and to open the borders or whatever it might be and they simply said no and actually they didn't just say no they said no and we'll throw you out as well and the Lord went and found him because he was the good shepherd and I think here you know is the challenge for you and I in this noisy and crazy and chaotic world To learn to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be able to find time, somehow, despite all the distractions, to think about him. To ask questions about what he's like, and how he treats us, and the kind of things he asks from us. And to seek safety with him, and only with him. Because he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And to see the sanctuary that he offers, and the doorway through which we can pass through 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 baptism, to come and to know him as being something that only we would have that would be the only port in a storm for somebody in, in, in terrible circumstances, and then, as he says here, to go out through that gate again and tell other people about how great that is, because this is a world in which the Lord puts people together in families and in communities that's the whole purpose of the church to bring individuals together and to gather them together so that they might recognise that being alone is actually not an option because we need coffee shops and, and road trips and sunsets and passports and great holidays to go on, and all these kind of things but ultimately we need people more than anybody else we need people and if you see somebody in need you will need to be that person to somebody else a living, breathing, screaming opportunity to believe better things because you are able to help when somebody is somebody is in need and and the lord calls us to do that because he himself did it for us i am the good shepherd and i give my life for the sheep the hireling the one who's who's just paid and goes home at the end of the day and can switch off and doesn't care verse 12 whose own the sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees because he cares only for himself he he flees verse 13 the hireling flees well because he's a hireling because he's paid by the hour and he's not invested in it. And you might want to think about Barabbas, you know, the man who, who, who was freed in Jesus' place, who just cleared off. And Barabbas goes out to the cross with two of his followers, one on either side to be crucified with him. And Barabbas is freed and he's off. And he doesn't say, Oh, I'll only go if I can take my followers with me. Barabbas clears off because he's a hireling and he doesn't care for the sheep. Jesus goes and saves one of those two simply by going to his death. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I know of mine, as the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. May it be that we can understand him, recognise him, know him, and hear his voice in these troubled and noisy times. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, Christadelphians.org.uk